Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. The Big Lead on The Shift. Okay, so we heard yesterday in the throne speech some comments from the prime minister. I think that set a lot of people off. In fact, it seemed to set off some of the prime or some of the premiers. So let's rewind and reset this conversation, shall we? In his national address yesterday, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau said the second wave of COVID nineteen is already here, and that Canadians should continue to be diligent in following health orders so we can have gatherings by Christmas. Our four biggest provinces, the second wave isn't just starting; it's already underway. The numbers are clear. Back on March 13th, when we went into lockdown, there were 47 new cases of COVID-19. Yesterday alone, we had well over a thousand. We're on the brink of a fall that could be much worse than the spring. I know this isn't the news that any of us wanted to hear. And we can't change today's numbers or even tomorrow's. Those were already decided by what we did or didn't do two weeks ago. But what we can change is where we are in October and into the winter. It's all too likely we won't be gathering for Thanksgiving, but we still have a shot at Christmas. Together, we have the power to get this second wave under control. I know we can do it because we've already done it once before. In the spring, we all did our part by staying home. And this fall, we have even more tools in the toolbox. People are wearing masks. That's critical. So keep it up. We've got the COVID alert app. Take the teacher who felt fine, but who tested positive after the app warned her she'd been exposed. COVID alert meant she went home instead of the classroom. It's a powerful, free tool that's easy to use and protects your privacy. So if you haven't already, download it off the App Store or Google Play. It's one more way to keep ourselves and others safe. Another is to get your flu shot this fall. Okay. So I would like to remind the prime minister of a couple of things here. Um, first of all, Canada doesn't end in Ontario because here are some uh, examples of numbers. All right. So in British Columbia, um, how many new cases uh, in British Columbia? Oh, crap. I had the number. I'm going to come back to that one. I had the number. My apologies. New cases in Manitoba. Um, the total number of new cases in Manitoba is 37. As of yesterday. Total number uh, of new cases in Alberta. Lost it. Come on now. Don't fail me. 158. Okay. We're in a second wave. We can't have Thanksgiving. Just to be clear. Total number of new cases in Quebec. Just so you know. 582. That's a lot. But you see how this this is not the same, right? Total new cases in Ontario. 408. So we got 500, almost 600 in Quebec, 400 in Ontario, 30 
in Manitoba. You see, there's, there's a difference here, right? There's a big difference here in what's going on. Alberta's kind of been hovering around 150. So it's remarkable to me that we're in a second wave. Turns out you and I are not the only ones that caught on to that. The premier, the premiers did too, in a big way. So we're in a second wave, says the prime minister. No way. Dr. Dina Hinshaw said Alberta is not in a second wave of COVID-19. Despite a daily increase numbers over the recent months, Julia Wong has more info on that. And turning now to the latest COVID-19 numbers, the province is reporting 158 new cases. More than 80 are in the Edmonton zone. The number of active cases in our region has dropped to 773. 58 people are in hospital, 14 in intensive care. One more death is being reported, a man in his 80s who was a patient at Foothills Medical Center in Calgary. Julia Wong joins us now live from the legislature. And Julia, the prime minister said yesterday it is too late for Thanksgiving. What did Dr. Dina Hinshaw have to say about that today? Well, Dr. Hinshaw said that it may be possible to have Thanksgiving if you take certain precautions. So the province did release guidelines on how Albertans can celebrate the holiday, and they just released those guidelines today. They include things like using a space with high ceilings and good ventilation, opening the windows if you can. It also suggests having one person doing the food serving and hosting activities outside if that's possible. It's best to keep gatherings within your established cohorts of up to 15 people outside your, your household. Smaller is safer. This is not the time for large gatherings. And Julia, Dr. Hinshaw also updated the situation in Alberta schools. So despite what seems like a lot of cases, it's really not as bad as it was this spring. Yeah, and here are where things stand right now. Dr. Hinshaw says there are active alerts or outbreaks in 97 schools with a total of 163 active cases. Now, she said that this represents just 4% of schools in the province. There are also 32 school outbreaks, and four of them have five or more cases, so that means they are on the province's watch list. And while all these numbers may sound concerning, Dr. Hinshaw says that things were actually worse in April for younger Albertans. We have looked at our data on school-aged cases over the past several months and have seen that the weekly number of cases in those aged 5 to 19 has been most impacted by community transmission trends. Our highest weekly number of cases in this age group to date was in April, at the time of our peak overall. Now, we've heard it many times already, but Dr. Hinshaw emphasized again how important it is for Albertans to stay home if they're feeling sick, and especially stay home even if they just feel mild symptoms. Brianna, Gord. Thanks, Julia. Okay, so just to be clear, uh, Alberta's not the only one. Dr. Bonnie Henry says Thanksgiving should be held with a close family bubble. Here's the information. The Prime Minister indicated last night that it may not be a good idea to gather for Thanksgiving, so that way we could save Christmas, he said. And today, Quebec's health minister said the same kind of thing. So where do you stand on this, and what would you like to see in B.C. this Thanksgiving? You know, I, I think Thanksgiving is an important um, time for us to remember and give thanks for those who we are closest to. And we've been talking about that quite a bit. There's no reason at all why you can't have Thanksgiving with your close, your household bubble, your contact, your close um, number of, small number of people. 
I think it is a challenge and we would not be recommending either that you have a large family gathering where particularly elders and seniors come from other places um, and get together with people who have had other types of contacts. So, you know, the large family gatherings, we've been saying that through the summer as well. This is not the year for that. This is a year to participate remotely with your family, the people you're closest to, to make sure that you can find ways to engage in these important celebrations together without putting anybody at risk. In Winnipeg, Winnipeggers are asked about their plans for Thanksgiving among COVID-19. Here was the response. Um, we haven't. I haven't felt much impact from COVID for Thanksgiving plans yet. Um, we'll likely have like family dinner, maybe at my sister's house who's here with me. Yeah, I don't think it's impacted our plans too much just because our family's already in each other's bubble and we've been hanging out together. And so, um, yeah, I think plans will be as usual. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's affecting it at all, actually, because uh, I usually have uh, dinner with uh, a group of friends and we're pretty much a group, you know, and uh, we feel pretty comfortable with each other, but coronavirus-wise. Two months ago, we made this date, and uh, we were quite happy that we were able to find the date, and now we're kind of debating whether we're going to do it or not. We're thinking it's not going to happen. Okay, so just to be clear, I looked it up, and uh, from a quick search, um, if we're not to have Thanksgiving, according to the Prime Minister, because there's a second wave, we need to subscribe to the rules put in by the province. And uh, in Alberta, no, in BC, we'll start on the West Coast, uh, the maximum number of inside gatherings is 50. Now, I don't know how many people come to your Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe you have a lot of cousins and weird Uncle Bob's, but 50 should cover you for Thanksgiving. In Alberta, the number is 50. In Manitoba, the number is 50. In Ontario, the number was 50, recently dropped down to 10. But even with 10, 10 people at your Thanksgiving dinner, you're pretty good for a Thanksgiving dinner for the closest friends or family. There's nothing stopping you from having an awesome Thanksgiving at 50. I mean, think of all the family members you don't even like. Now you have a reason to not invite them. This is clearly a great Thanksgiving, right? That drunk Uncle Bob that's weird, you can just tell him, sorry, man, COVID can't come. If anything, Ontario has it best right now for Thanksgiving. I can't believe that was said. It seems to me to be very close-minded, very out of touch. There are provinces in this country, Manitoba being one of them, that has really done amazing. The Maritimes have done amazing. Yes, they've got a travel bubble there, but it's been amazing. Quebec is in the worst shape right now. Even Ontario, it's been a little loose. But things seem to be stabilizing a little bit. You know, it's been around 100 to 150 in Alberta and BC, roughly. A little bit more in Alberta than BC for the most part. So no Thanksgiving? Come on, man. Wait till Christmas. Come on, man. Be smart. Wash your hands. Do your things. If you do, you know, do the sanitizer. If you're hot and you can't go, you don't feel all right, don't go. But have Thanksgiving. Be smart about it. You know, don't share a fork and leave weird Uncle Bob at home anyway. You didn't like him in the first place. 
Yeah, uh, Henry from Mississauga. Trudeau is just being a drama queen trying to scare everyone into believing that he's the great savior. His polling numbers were the best when he was doling out money and saving the day. So I, I do believe it's a political tactic. I seriously do. It's either a political tactic or he is so out of touch with what's actually happening in Canada outside of Quebec. The numbers, by the way, I, I did source them. Sorry, I lost them really. 148 for BC, 158 for Alberta, 37 in Winnipeg, uh, 408 in Ontario, and then 560 or so in Quebec. So it seems to be he's worried about his Thanksgiving in Quebec, perhaps. Uh, here's a good suggestion from text two. Um, we should not, the number 50 people should not be allowed inside. Instead, the number should be expressed by people per square meter. They should say the maximum is one person per three square meters, for example. I think that's a great idea. I mean, it's complicated, but it's a good idea, which um, three square meters, by the way, is, um, I looked it up. It's about 32 square feet. So you're almost six by six. I roughly, I looked it up. Uh, thank you, Dr. Google. Uh, seriously, 50 people in my house, forget it. Good text. I think it's good. I mean, you're not going to have 50 people in your house, right? I don't even know if I know 50 people. Um, Thanksgiving rant. I'm pissed that my Brazilian turned Quebecois friends can't come down to the States, nor can we celebrate up there either for Thanksgiving. So while well, technically if they're Canadians, they can come down to the border. They just can't come back without isolating. If you're not a Canadian, cause I know you're an American listener. Yeah. You can't come up. No Thanksgiving for you. You're gonna have to wait to your own Thanksgiving. Uh, Turkey has a temperature of 79 degrees. Should I send it away? Yes, because it has to be a lot warmer than that. If you're going to eat it, just saying. Um, and this one's weird. I'm going to say Roadhammer. Uh, you've sent in a lot of things that are weird. This is, uh, to the tops. Do you know that uncle that always pees in the plants during family gatherings? Don't have him. <laughs> uh, Roadhammer. Actually, no, I don't know that uncle. I mean, I have a weird uncle, but he is not <laughs> pee in the plants weird. Maybe we've been that uncle. <laughs> Ooh. Maddie peeing in the plants after too many uh, craft beer skis, right? I, I ain't saying anything, but I'm just saying maybe we have been that uncle at one point. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. It looks like we're going to be able to have a little bit of time here, fellas, for an are you okay? What do you say? I mean, hey, it's about that time, so let's do it. Let's do it. Are you okay? Are you okay? With another person getting fined. I ran out of time. Sorry. I got to do the guy. Screw that up. Are you okay? I can't do it without the bed. You know, the bed matters. It feels better. It feels good. Are. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Are you okay with someone getting fined $2,000 from a contact tracing app? What? Two grand. That's a, an app. That, that's a big chunk of change there, man. That's a stiff penalty to 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 pay. Yeah, I ain't okay for, with from that. <laughs> Arr, I'm not okay with that. Arr, Arr, pirates, Arr. are you okay? Are you all right? Are you all right? Just I, so just so everybody knows, we had a text yesterday that suggested we do this all in pirate voices. So yeah, throwback to yesterday. And throwback yesterday. And we're not even going to, um, um, we're not even going to, uh, stop. We're just going to keep doing it now. 
<laughs> it's exactly. like, all right, so are you okay with a $2,000 fine for not self-violating? Self self <laughs> Man, if you, it's, it's not my business. If you self-violating, not my business. Happy oh, Friday, man. everybody. Thank God the week is over. All right, well, $2,000 fine for not self-isolating um, when uh, symptom. Oh, God, play the clip. The province has issued a $2,000 fine to someone who did not self-isolate when experiencing COVID-19 symptoms. It comes after a contact tracing investigation showed where they'd been and who they'd been in contact with while symptomatic. This is not the first time the province has dropped the hammer with a hefty fine. Just last week, it ticketed someone who hosted a party for 47 people since the public health order limits gatherings to 30 as long as there's space to physically distance. The party was deemed a super spreader event and is connected to at least 21 cases of COVID-19. With Thanksgiving around the corner, large gatherings are top of mind for many families. The Prime Minister is urging people to stick to their social bubbles to reduce rising case numbers if they want a shot at gathering for Christmas. Premier Scott Moe, however, says Saskatchewan families can come together. In our great province, uh, Thanksgiving is still on. And I would encourage people to, again, uh, celebrate their Thanksgiving within their virtual bubble. Be careful. Um, uh, adhere to the guidelines uh, that, are, that are put out, as we have been by a, large, by a large part over the course of the last number of months. The Saskatchewan Health Ministry says detailed guidelines for Thanksgiving will be released soon. Anna McMillan, Global News. I don't know. I still don't know if I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's... Because the, everyone always said the privacy thing with the apps was supposed to just allow for, you know, the tracing of the people. And if this is one of these things, then it's kind of thinking on you. And this is the exact privacy thing why nobody wanted to do the app anyway. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm okay with fining uh, if you're hosting a party and you get caught for that. I'm okay with the fines for that. But 2K for getting caught by, by the app, to me, not only uh, sort of infringes on your privacy, but that's a lot of money. That's like a car. Well, a cheap car or a used car, but that's a lot of money, man. It's a really cheap used car. Right? All right. <laughs> Are you okay with spending $2,000 on a car? <laughs> that's a... Oh, I am. That's some, I absolutely am. That's a lemon right there, guaranteed. Yeah. Squeeze it. I love it. Um, so the... Uh, okay, good. Okay. Okay, moving on. Are you okay with Shane saying self-violating? Let's talk about that. That was weird. Sorry. I'd like to apologize for things I said earlier when I talked about self-violating. I didn't mean that. Okay. Self-violating. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay with the Calgary Stampede making changes to chuck wagon races? Um, well, Shane, you and I are Calgary natives and, mm -hmm. um, I assume you've been to a few chuck wagon races in your time. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been to a few in my childhood. Um, so, you know, it's a tradition and change can be very, uh, very hard to take sometimes. <laughs> I'm okay with change. I'm okay with this change. This one I'm okay with. Jason Manawis, I know you're a cowboy at heart, you and your Hyundai Veloster. I mean, you and your cowboy beanie. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it. I mean, we've seen like sports make the change and it's worked out. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure the Calgary Stampede can, you know, make a couple changes and it should be okay as long as it's, as long as everyone's safe. But I'm not sure if everyone from Calgary is, uh, okay with that change though, uh, especially since that is tradition. So, um, I'll leave that to you, Calgarians. Um, all right. For that, I say but, that yeah. I, I say that, well, let's get, we'll get the clip. I think that Calgarians are going to be okay with this. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but let's hear the clip and understand it. The Calgary Stampede making some changes to the chuck wagon races starting next year. Instead of 36 wagons running the heats, only 27 will be competing. Lauren Pullen is at Stampede Park tonight. And Lauren, that's just one of several changes being made. Yeah, and Linda, the Stampede does say that all of these changes are in the name of safety. Some of them, including more safety measures on the tracks and increased horse inspections and even new research into horse health and track conditions. Now, the most noticeable change, though, is the one that you mentioned will be the number of drivers in each heat of the chuck wagon races with now three instead of four. And the big reason behind that move was for more space on the track for drivers and horses to maneuver. Drivers we spoke with say they are sad to see the change, but they understand the move for safety because we have seen tragedy unfold on the stampede track with crashes happening during the chuck wagons almost every year and horses needing to be put down. The stampede says the goal of these changes is to make those races as safe as possible. I've had the opportunity over the last year and a half to engage with a lot of experts within the community, um, experts outside of the community, and having the opportunity to take a look and really build this plan for the years to come so we can continue chuck wagon racing here at the Stampede. But animal rights activists say that this is just a band-aid solution. It's good to see that something is being done, but it's nowhere even close to what to where we should be and the only way to completely eliminate the risk is to completely eliminate the race. Another huge change that we're going to be seeing, Linda, is the tarpac auction has been cancelled. And though it has been a 40-year tradition with the Stampede, the Stampede says the move is being made to give more power to the drivers when it comes to advertising, Linda. Thanks, Lauren. Okay, so here's why I think this is going to be okay for Calgarians. I think that it's a, it's a move that... Uh, it's for safety. And if the stampede says they're willing to do it, I think that's good. I think what Calgary's not going to be okay with is just reducing the number of uh, competitors down on that. I'm surprised that they didn't just change the design of the heats in order to get there. But I also don't necessarily understand the heats. So could, it's possible there's a reason behind that. I would like to see them keep the same number of competitors and go down to three. They say it keeps more room. Now, when it comes to the animals, um, the, the animal people, they're never going, they said, well, we need more space. So there's less accidents. They give them more space. They're still going to complain. So that's a thing. And I would also like to bring back, and I wish I had the clip with me when last year, a year and a half ago, they did an interview about, uh, these protesters saying, well, why should these races not happen is, um, the response was because the horses have not given consent to run the race. So you can never make that person happy. No. Um, because they called the races non-consensual for the horse. So that's a thing. All right. 877-399-9898. Dwayne says changes for safety is good. Change just for change sake isn't. I just, I agree, Dwayne. Thanks for the text. I wish that there was uh, still the number, same number of racers that would be in the race. Going backwards in time here. Oh, nope. There's one more. Definitely a tradition. Loved the Chucks when I was a kid. I'm absolutely okay with these changes. I remember some pretty horrible crashes and other accidents when I was a kid, Derek. Yeah, you're right, Derek. There, there have been some horrible crashes. There's no denying that. 
And it's one of these things that if they're going to continue to continue to do these races, now they're going to have to do it. But, you know, horse racing in general has crashes and accidents without chuck wagons attached. Um, there are horses, many horses that are running in a field um, and that step in a gopher hole. That's a very Albertan thing to say, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> As that came out of my face hole, I was like, whoa, that is a very Albertan thing to say. Like you would never hear somebody Alberta, from eh? BC. Yeah. Alberta. Alberta. Eh? There's, you would never hear somebody say that in like Quebec, I don't think, or, you know, or in, even on Vancouver Island. Oh, hey, my horse is running, stepped in a gopher hole. Hey. Eh? All right. Um, <laughs> One more text back in time about the app came in. It says, uh, if it's going to deter people from refusing to follow the rules that are in place to keep me safe, I am more than okay with this. You know, the only person who has to worry about a $2,000 fine on the app technically would be the person who's breaking the rule. So that's a good point. Thank you for that text message. I appreciate your contribution. Earlier text came in from Nate on the Charles Adler show. They were talking about great Canadians. Who would you nominate to be a great Canadian? I hope this is a thing that they're doing on that show because I would love to support it. It's so uh, good. Okay. Um, that uh, Nate says that I would nominate Maddie from The Shift. For all the great Canadians. And I would second that nomination. Yeah, thanks, Nate. That's uh, that's awesome. I um, I, uh, it's rare that you know you get appreciation, um, or you know kudos sometimes. And uh, uh, Matt, just so you know, you didn't get you didn't win the award. You just got nominated. You don't get a thank you speech yet. You have to win it first. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Although it is cool. Thank you, Nate, for uh, nominating Matt. That's a great idea. Thanks, Nate. Um. Okay, so this is funny because we had a text about doing an entire show as a pirate. And then we got another text in eight. I have an are, are you okay for you, Shane, and the rest of Shift Crew? Are you okay with doing a full show speaking like pirates? Are you kidding me? Like, you guys would go crazy. Uh, but it's a thing. It would also uh, so just hurt after a while. Hurt. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, uh, Jasper sent in something for us. And he said, um, you guys need to just listen to this. And so this is a jaw harp. So it's one of those strings in your mouth, little harpy things. And this is the clip. Uh, thank you to Jasper for contributing. Enjoy. That's so good. So my dad had a weird guy, really drunk guy at his ball team in Port Alberni back in the 80s who used to bring kazoos whenever we would travel for the ball tournaments. And all the you get all the kids playing kazoos and he would, you know, get everybody making noise and it drove the parents crazy, but everyone was smashed. And uh, there was like mullets and mustaches everywhere. And um, so this this is this is the new version of that. The jaw harp rocking it. Thank you, Jasper. Absolutely love it. That was the weirdest sound I think I've ever heard. It's good, right? Maybe that could be our new theme song here in the shift. Yeah. The shift. Arr, jaw harp. Давай, <laughs> Arr, this is the shift on the chorus radio network. 
Our potholes in Winnipeg are so big. How big are How they? How big are your potholes? Our potholes in Winnipeg are so big. A smart car fits in them. <laughs> okay. Yep, that's it. That's good. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt on the Shift. When I lived in St. Catharines, Ontario, I had a neighbor who had Parkinson's. And um, it was new to me then. Uh, her hands shook a lot. She was a business owner. And it was it was interesting to me because one of the most important things to her as a small business, she owned a cleaning company, was to be able to provide health care as a small business for her employees. And I don't quite think that I figured out why. I thought, wow, that's bold. You know, uh, house cleaners getting benefits. And as I kind of went through and I've met more people that uh, have different um, uh, health uh, illness or issue, depending on how you look at it, I think I figured it out. I figured it out that what she was trying to do was make sure that nobody went through what she went through. And it was interesting perspective. Dynamite neighbors, by the way, couldn't ask for better neighbors. There's a podcast that is on our platform, curiouscast.ca. It is, um, it's about Parkinson's. It's called When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Larry Gifford hosts and co-hosts that. And he joins me now to talk about it. Hey, Larry. Yeah, how's it going? Uh, good. Thanks for coming on here. Full transparency for everybody. I will tell them that you are my boss and my boss's boss. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I just, I want people to know that uh, for two reasons, actually, Larry, because I want people to hear, uh, you know, if anybody says, wait a second, is that the guy? Um, you know, just to be clear on that. But I also want people to be able to hear um, what it's like to be surrounded by people that you work with, colleagues, and still be able to talk about personal things. I think that matters to me. Is that okay with you? Sure. Yeah, right. for sure. So tell me um, about when life gives you Parkinson's, because you're a couple of seasons deep on your podcast. And um, and how did you get here? How did you, how did you arrive at this? All right. Well, we just launched season three. Um, and two years ago, um, I when we launched, um, it the only... I'd only been talking to people about my diagnosis for a couple of months at that point. Um, I had kept it a secret for about eight months before I told many people. I went public uh, in April on uh, Parkinson's Awareness Day in uh, April of 2017, um, or April of 2018. I was diagnosed in 2017. Um, and I did that for one big reason. I was listening to a, a doctor on a podcast, uh, the Michael J. Fox Foundation podcast, and the doctor was Dr. Ray Dorsey from the University of Rochester. And he said, and he was like, he was talking right to me. He goes, listen, if people with Parkinson's don't start sharing their stories, we will never raise enough awareness to raise enough money to do enough research to solve this. And I thought, I'm a storyteller. Yeah. I've been a storyteller all my life. I've been in radio 30 years. If I don't tell my story, how can I expect anybody else to tell theirs? Yeah. And so that's how it started. So for eight months, though, you live with this. Your family lived with it. Why did you keep it secret? Well, you know, it's, it's the unknown. Um, you get diagnosed with Parkinson's and you're like, Parkinson's? Is that good or is that bad? Mm -hmm. 
Um, is that better than MS? Is that, you know, yes, I guess. Um, it's, it's a chronic degenerative brain disease. Um, by the time I was diagnosed, I'd lost between 60 and 80% of my dopamine producing brain cells, which is uh, dopamine is what you release in your, in your brain in order for your brain to transmit messages throughout your body in order to do things, mm -hmm. whether it's to walk or to, to pick up a fork or whatever. So at this point, I probably have lost 90% of it. Wow. How does that present for you? Because my understanding with Parkinson's is that it's a little bit different for everybody. It is. It's we're we're all like snowflakes. We're all different. Um, we uh, <laughs> we uh, we we. It's it think think about it this way. If there's uh, between forty and fifty different types of symptoms that somebody could get with Parkinson's, and you, everybody's dealt a different uh, poker hand. So I I'm holding. Um, a uh, problem with my gait, my walk is clumpy. Like my, so my right foot just sort of slaps if I'm not on my dopamine replacement. Um, I, uh, I, I do have a tremor if I'm not on my medication. I have dyskinesia because I take too much medication. I've got uh, sleeping issues. I've got bladder issues. I've got all sorts of internal. So they call it a movement disorder, but it's more than that because more the biggest issues that we deal with are, are non-motor symptoms. Uh, and some, a lot of people get depression, anxiety. I, 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 I get major anxiety as a passenger in a vehicle. Really? Is there any history to that? Or is this something that just is new with the Parkinson's diagnosis? It's new with Parkinson's. You know, think about it this way. If you don't have uh, enough grease on your, you know, your gears or whatever, they, they slip, right? Yeah. And so the same thing happens with dopamine. If you don't have enough dopamine production or you have too much, then it's either sliding too fast or it's not sliding far enough. So the messages get confused. Yeah, it makes me curious that when you're driving a car, you're present to the movement of the vehicle all the time because you're in it, controlling it. But when you're not controlling it, um, I sort of hear that as the info flow into your brain is moving so quickly. There's so much data that you don't have the processing tactile processing the other pieces of the of the puzzle to be able to sort the data um would it be something i mean i'm not a doctor but would it be something like that yeah i mean it has it has to do with a couple of things things that are moving fast are hard to uh comprehend uh just for me like a, a ball coming my way from my son or anything it's hard to react to uh and it's hard to focus on more than one thing at a time so if i'm talking to my wife and then i see a car coming out of, out of my peripheral vision then i i get all panicky because i think we're gonna get a hit wow wow um, so yeah please go ahead so yeah so so i you know it it presents in a lot of different ways you know sleep is a big issue for a lot of people uh, right now i'm dealing with neuropathy in my feet so i've been dealing with that for probably a year now where it's pretty non-stop pain uh and it just different levels of intensity and sometimes it feels like you know it's your foot's asleep in some pinpricks and sometimes it feels like your feet are on fire wow um yeah, that's that's remarkable. When this all came up, and it's in the podcast, um, your wife, Rebecca, um, shares the story about how it all got started. So this little clip of the podcast uh, with Rebecca talking about uh, those those sort of first influences uh, of Parkinson's in your life. And he had this really weird incident where all of a sudden his right arm felt really, really rigid and strange. He got kind of foggy. He felt like he was going to faint. 
and he just knew something was off. Well, we were already out and about, so we took the groceries and everything and drove immediately to an urgent care. So she's very clear um, at this point of what that was. And I'm sure at the time, groceries in the back of the car, uh, that was a very scary moment because things like stroke probably come up, aneurysms probably come up. Uh, Larry Gifford hosts a podcast about Parkinson's. It's called When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Now, Larry, the question from that clip that I have for you is, tell me about Rebecca. And tell me about how amazing she is for you in this. Well, I mean, anybody who's been, we've been married actually 21 years uh, on September 25th, which is today. Uh, And I have, um, I have so much love in my heart for her. When we, when I was diagnosed, uh, I gave her the option of leaving because she didn't sign up for this. And she goes, nope, I did sign up for this. Wow. And it's not easy. I mean, we have an 11 year old son and I can't, I just don't notice the things that need done because I'm, I'm worrying about myself and I get locked in, you know, just sort of my own little bubble at times because of, you know, wherever I am in my medication cycle. And so she's, she's doing all the heavy lifting. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not fair, but it's life. It's our life. And, you know, we're looking, we're looking to change things and to move priorities and every day is different. You know, I may wake up feeling great. I may wake up and I'm like, I can't do anything today. You know, we may have plans that we have to cancel because I can't do it. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's not easy, not knowing what a day is going to bring. So let me turn that mirror then back on you, Larry. And um, you're a dad. Uh, you're a man with a career. And um, you carry that burden, that option. Um, when you wake up in the morning and you're in that moment of, I can't do anything today. And you have to say to Rebecca, Rebecca, we can't. Um, What's that burden like for you to carry that on your shoulders? Well, it's hard because I do give a lot to the Parkinson's community and I give a lot at work and they end up with the short end of the stick. Um, And I'm trying to find ways to balance life. Um, I also have a, a, a sense that I need to, to, to do my advocacy work now because one of the symptoms that it is possible, and I already feel it happening, is uh, it can steal your voice. Um, and that's what I do. That's what I've done. And so, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say no to an 11-year-old who just wants to play or, Hey dad, get down on the floor. Well, some days I can't get on the floor mm-hmm. or I can't get up from the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do, we, we, we go in the playroom and I'll sit on a chair and I'll play Lego and he'll play cars. And we, 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 we but then we have some good talks, but like, it's not the same. It's like, I, I can't give him piggyback rides right. uh, off. You know, he'll, I'll, I'll lose my balance. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that feeling of, um, 
letting other people down? Well, you know, it's, I've had a lot of, I, I go to a lot of counseling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love counseling. I love counseling. Uh, um, and I've been told some really good advice because I, for a long time, I was like, you know, Henry, who, my son, he just wants a, a real dad, a healthy dad. And, he, and the, you know, people are like, he just knows that you're dad. He doesn't care. Like, he, you, you probably wish he cared a little bit about your Parkinson's, but he doesn't care at all about your Parkinson's. He just wants you. Yeah. Uh, and so that puts it in perspective. And, you know, we, we, when, when I'm feeling good, we take advantage of it. And when I'm feeling bad, then he helps me out or he'll, he'll you know, hold my hand or carry my food or whatever he needs to do to help out. And he's getting good at that. And so, you know, if, if you, if you look at the, the um, the positive side of things. He's learning empathy. He's learning how to um, deal with adversity. Um, and we're all learning to find hope where things seem hopeless. In the podcast, you talk about those things. You talk about the positivity. You talk about the things that you get from Parkinson's, not necessarily all the things that you lost, which I think all of us humans tend to first look at well, this is what it's going to cost me. So um, as we invite everybody to tune into the podcast, whether or not Parkinson's has affected you, I mean, why? what a great opportunity to learn about it. Um, what are some of the things, Larry, that, that you've received out of all this? Well, uh, knowledge. Once uh, I feel like I have a master's degree in Parkinson's. I, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of talking to some of the uh, the the best neurologists and movement disorder specialists and researchers around the world. Uh, and, and what I will tell you is that if Parkinson's hasn't impacted your life yet, there's a good chance it will. Um, it is, it, they were calling it a pandemic before the current pandemic. It's, it's, it's a disease that in the last 25 years has doubled the, in, in the number of people who've been diagnosed and it's going to double again by 2040. Um, one in 500 Canadians is diagnosed today with Parkinson's. Every seven minutes, somebody is diagnosed with Parkinson's. So since we've been talking, there's been another person added to the list. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 million people in the world have Parkinson's. Wow. It's the fastest growing neurological condition on this planet. Wow. And um, because it's affecting so many people and, and younger and younger people like me, I've found that there's a community of us around the world and and, and actually COVID has helped connect us through Zoom yeah. where before we may not have been as eager to reach out and and to build that community and, and that's so that's been a real benefit that I have friends everywhere now yeah. uh, people that are amazing that I would have never have met before that's so good uh, one of the questions yeah. I ask on the uh, on the on the show here often when people call in you know and they've got a you know political opinion or or some event occurrence thing that happened, I would say, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, if you could change it today, what would you want to do about it? And I just want to acknowledge, Larry, that uh, that uh, seems to be active in this process for you. And if nothing else, um, a fantastic example that you're setting for me and for the, the team here on The Shift um, and the audience too. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Shane. I mean, it is. It's 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 not just the podcast. It's, a, it's an entire... Um, advocacy campaign that I'm launching. It's, um, 
you know, I've, I've started a, 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 an organization called PD Avengers. I'm on the Michael J. Fox Foundation Patient Council. I'm on the World Parkinson uh, uh, Congress's uh, uh, ambassador uh, list for 2022. There's so many things that I'm trying to do to get out there, to get the word out so people are more informed and can help the people like us and, and, and turn their attention and, and build some urgency around this. When Life Gives You Parkinson's, it's a podcast available uh, with Larry Gifford on all of your podcast platforms, CuriousCast.ca. You can get it uh, nice and quick. That's for sure. And the partnership with Parkinson Canada presenting this, um, you know, th that's a big one, isn't it? Um, to, to be able to take your podcast and, and have those people stand behind you in it. Yeah, the Parkinson Canada has been really good to me and the and the the podcast. Um, it's a great partnership. Um, they they have service uh, like a, a twenty four hour hotline. So anybody who has any questions about Parkinson's can call at any time. So uh, oftentimes people feel lonely with Parkinson's. It's a very lonely disease because it doesn't doesn't always show. Like I walk down the street, people don't say, "Hey, he's got Parkinson's," uh, unless I'm you know tremoring or whatever, which isn't all the time. Um, and so um, often there, people have a lot of questions. And so the, what they do for our community and the services they provide and the support groups that they that that, that they assemble. It's really important, and, they, and they've just started a whole project uh, here in Canada, which is going to be a model for the for the world. Uh, it's called the Open Parkinson's uh, Network, uh, and it's uh, Canada's uh, Open Parkinson's Network, and it's about open science. And it's, so they're sharing their research data across universities, and uh, it's going to be uh, it's it's going to be awesome. And they're helping to fund that. That's so good. Uh Larry Gifford, When Life Gives You Parkinson's podcast is out there. Go get it. Thanks so much for sharing your heart, Larry, and thanks so much for sharing your time. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.